The Old Testament lesson is from Ezekiel chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson is 2 Corinthians verse 12, beginning, chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So, to keep me from being too elated by the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He went about the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out, two by two, and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, 
Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. If any place will not receive you and, they, and will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated, and we'd invite the kids who are here to come on up. I want to talk to you about something. So boys and girls, come on up. Some of you from way in the back, but come on up. They're coming, right? There we go. Okay, thank you for coming. Good morning. I got one good morning, thank you. Anybody else? Good morning. It's so nice to see. Isn't it a beautiful day outside, huh? Isn't it a beautiful day? So I want to talk to you about something. Up until the last couple days, it's been super, super hot, hasn't it? Huh? Did any of you get to go out in a little swimming pool or anything to get cool? Did you? Did you? Yeah. It, well, you were really sweaty. I was too. Yeah, I was too. It was really hot and really sweaty. Well, I want to pretend something with you, okay? So I, today's a beautiful day. It's not so hot and sweaty today. But, but let's pretend that it is a really super hot day today and a really sweaty day today. And let's pretend that, that you and I have been outside and I've been doing some stuff and you've been playing and all of a sudden I look and I see, oh my goodness, you really, really look warm. And you got sweat coming down. And I, I will somebody help me? Can I, can I get a helper here? Will you help me, buddy? Okay, hold that. So I look at you and I say, man, are you thirsty from all that sweating? And you say, Yes, good for you, thank you. You're a good prop here for me. So you say, yes, I'm really, really thirsty. And I say, well, I got good news for you. I got a glass of water here. So would you like some of my water? And you say, and you say yes. So then I say, well, good, I'll give you some. Take my cup. But you hold the cup like that. For those of you who can't see, the cup's upside down. You hold the cup like that. Will that work? Can I give you any of my water when you got a cup that's upside down? I can't, can I? It, what would happen if I poured the water and go where? Yeah, it'd go all over the floor, wouldn't it? And it wouldn't help you any at all, would it? Wouldn't make you so that you're not thirsty, would it, huh? You know what? The Bible says that it's like that with you and me. God's got some wonderful things that he wants to give us. Jesus once said, I have the water of life. I, I can give you wonderful things. I can give you forgiveness and happiness and a good life, I can give you all of that, but if you're upside down and won't receive it, it won't do any good. Well, it, it'll just go all over. What do you have to do if I want to give you water? What do you have to do? That's, you got it. You got to turn it right side up, and then I can pour my water into your cup, and you could drink it, and you wouldn't be so hot anymore. We have to be, take that from you, we have to be like that. We can't be upside down. We got to be where God's word is here in church and school and Sunday school and at home with mom and dad to receive the wonderful blessings that God gives us. A lot of people want what God gives, but they make it so he can't give it to them. And we don't want to do that, do we, huh? Okay. Hey, thank you guys and gal for coming up here. Now, I always have had... A thing I do all the time when the kids come up. Before you go back, I'd like to say to you the most important thing you're going to hear in church today. 
and that is that Jesus, what? Loves you, loves us, that's right, he loves all. So I'm gonna say that to you. I'm gonna say Jesus loves you, but you know what? I need to hear that too. So after I say it to you, will you say it back to me and say Jesus loves you too? And let's say it like we really super mean it, okay? So here we go. Jesus loves you. Thank you. And now you can head on back, okay? Would you pray with me for a moment, please? As we hear your word, for us, oh God, make it a living word. As we go through what sometimes is just the routine of our religion, help us to truly experience you and to truly come to grips with what it means to believe in you. Amen. So there's an expression, I'm not sure when it started in our culture so much, but man oh man, you hear it all the time. Finish it for me if you would, please, for a second. The expression starts out, you finish it. It is what it is. You hear that all the time, over and over and over again. And it becomes kind of an individual's resignation to the fact that things are the way that they just are. And it expresses a kind of a frustration that they are that way. But it begs the question, when is it true and when is it not true? It is what it is, is sometimes a correct description of circumstances that you and I experience. Life, whatever, just happens to us and we really can't change it. Conversely, there are times when that's just a cop-out. It is what it is means I don't intend to do anything about the way it is when in reality we could do something about it. I want to look with you a little bit at what was the second lesson that was read today, which is the Apostle Paul kind of giving us some insight into his personal life and his personal struggles. You know, Paul is this great evangelist, he's this great teacher, uh, probably sort of the number one guy in Christian history. But periodically, he lets us see inside of that to the fact that he isn't much different from you or from me in terms of his personal struggles with God. Now, you heard a portion of Paul's talking in, in the epistle lesson. I want to back up just a couple of verses before that in, uh, in Paul's second letter to the Corinthian congregation. By the way, that congregation had been kind of a pain in the neck for Paul. Uh, they, they always seemed to find some way of not acting like Christians, and he tried really hard in many ways to change them, often frustrated that he couldn't. So one of the things that Paul had to do, particularly with that congregation in the city of Corinth, was establish his authority as a valid teacher. Remember, they didn't have the Bible all written, the New Testament all written then, so the question was, which teacher do you listen to? And so Paul had to kind of establish his authority. And in the previous verses to what was read to you, he does that. And so now he kind of says these things. This is in chapter 11. He says, I'm, I'm talking like a fool, but, but let me boast a little bit, again, to establish his authority. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Do they, meaning a lot of the other teachers, 
claim to be servants of Christ, so am I. But then he begins in a parenthetical sort of way to say, well, I just, I feel like an idiot talking like this. I shouldn't talk like this, but nevertheless, let me do that. I worked harder, he says, than any of them did. I've been in prison. I was beaten severely. I was exposed to death. Five times I got 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. I was pelted with stones. I was shipwrecked. I spent a night in the open sea, constantly been running away, been in danger, on and on and on it goes. And then he gets to the words that were read to you. He says, oh, oh, by the way, I knew a guy, and we really think he's talking about himself. I knew a guy who 14 years ago had this phenomenal vision. And he was carried, I'm not sure if it was in the body or out of the body. He was carried up into heaven itself where he saw and heard things nobody, nobody gets to do. And he's boasting about all of that sort of thing. And then he says, I could boast even more, but I won't. And then he gets to the point that we want to focus on even more so. In order, he says, <clears throat> to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. We don't know what that was, by the way. There's a lot of speculation about what it was whether it was some sort of emotional thing, whether it was some sort of physical thing. There are some drawings in the catacombs in Rome that show a man with a hunchback, and below that is written Paulus, Paul. We know he had eye trouble. He couldn't even write the letters himself. He had other people write them, and every so often he says, here, I'll sign my name in real large writing, so you know it's from me. So we know he had a lot of visual problems. So we don't really know exactly what it was, whether it was physical, emotional, spiritual. He said, I was given this thorn in the flesh. And he said, I went to God three times, and I said, God, would you take this thing away from me? And God's answer to it was, it is what it is. It is what it is, Paul. You're just going to bear this, and the reason you're going to bear it is so that you discover my grace, my undeserved love, and you discover that in your life, when you got the stuff that just is, that's enough. My grace. One of the hardest things about being a Christian is to really believe in God. And every one of us in this place this morning has the same struggle. Oh, it's easy to believe in the doctrines, fairly easy. You know, you can be taught those, and you can learn those, and you can spit those out. It's fairly easy to be a member of the church, because after all, you have friends here. You, you like the history, you like the place, you like its ministry. It's not that difficult to be a member of the church. But when it comes to truly trusting a God, that's a miracle. And God's always working for it, and the evil one's always working against it. You see, there is a God. No, I mean a real, a living, an honest God. There really is a God. And it ain't you. And it ain't me. 
And in the middle of those times when it is what it is, maybe you're going through those now in your life, it's in those times that we are most likely to discover him and to discover whether we really do believe in him or not. There is a God, and it ain't you, and it ain't me, and that's okay. You see, it's okay for you in your life, I and mine, not to be invincible. It's okay because we are not God. It's okay to fail. No, you heard it here. It's okay to fail. It's okay to not have all the answers because you and I are not God. It's okay to not know what to do in some of those most difficult situations in life that perhaps you are facing now. It's okay to look outside of yourself for a wisdom you don't have. As a matter of fact, that's sometimes the only way we discover wisdom. It's okay because it allows us, as we realize that there is a God and it is not I, to truly have one. You remember the story of the fall of humanity into sin. It's a fairly simple story. We all kind of, most all of us probably learned it as kids. Remember the story? There's Adam and Eve out in the Garden of Eden. Everything's beautiful and everything's perfect. And, and along comes the, the, the serpent to Eve. Do you ever think about the fact that Adam may have been standing right there? Anyway, along comes the serpent to Eve, and the serpent, the evil one, Satan, says, so can you eat of all the trees? And Eve says, well, all of them, but not that one over there, the tree of wisdom. God says, no, you can't eat of that one. And the serpent says, because then you'll die. And the serpent says, no, you're not going to die. If you eat of that, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be, finish it, like God. And that, my brother and sister, has been the temptation ever since. You will be like God. You'll be your own God. And you will know, says Satan as he continues, the difference between right and wrong, good and evil. That is to say, you'll get to make it up. You'll get to make up what's right for you and what's wrong for you you'll get to figure out everything yourself. And that's the struggle you and I and every human being has had with God ever since. There is a God and it ain't me and it ain't you, but boy, we'd sure like it to be. We'd sure like it to be. But you see, in Jesus Christ, there's a God, a real one, who really wants to be your God and mine. And so God says to Paul, you've got this thorn in the flesh. And Paul, by not taking it from you, you're going to discover me. You're going to discover that my grace is sufficient for you. Perhaps you're in one of those times right now. Maybe there's something in your own life, some change you've wanted to make, something you've wanted to do, and you've been impotent to do it. Maybe you're in one of those times now. But you discovered that there's something you're fighting and you can't beat it. And maybe it's destroying you. Maybe you have a cross, a thorn in the flesh that you are bearing. 
and you've gone to God over and over and over again, and God's answer is the same to you. You're just going to bear it. It is what it is. You're just going to bear it. But in bearing it, discover me. Discover the things you cannot change yourself, and then allow me to enter with my grace into your life. Let God's grace be sufficient for you. Paul, or God says to Paul, my power is only made great when you are weak. Because when you're strong, who needs a God? But when you're weak, you discover what you didn't have. My strength. You need a strength that's bigger than the one you've had. It's there. It's available, Jesus said, through the Holy Spirit he promised to leave with us. So we've got to learn to pray, but not to look for answers. You see, if you pray and then look for the answer, we get frustrated because we can't see it. Where are you, God? Pray and let go of it. And experience not the sight of the answer, but God. Experience a God who cares. Relinquish to God those things that are your thorns. And patiently wait for whatever God wants to do. If you don't have strength, then don't look for it. Release it and release it to God because the marvel of God is his grace, his undeserved love in Christ. This is hard. I said to you the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of faith, not doctrines, but faith. Trust in God. It is when you are weakest, says God, that then I can be strong. So don't be frustrated with your weaknesses. Discover God in the middle of them. Don't hope for what perhaps God does not want to give. But be at peace while he gives you what he wishes to give you. In the Nazi era, there was this Lutheran pastor that many of you have heard of, of course, named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He opposed Hitler, and it cost him his life. He was finally captured by the Nazis, placed in various prison camps. He was moved around, and uh, finally he was hung just a few days before the Allies would have rescued him. But it was in the midst of this terrible world that he experienced, this terrible battle he had of trying to get rid of this evil that was in his nation and his inability to do so, that Dietrich Bonhoeffer became one of the great writers of the Christian religion. In his frustrations, in his struggles, he found God. I want to read you a couple of words that he wrote eight months before he was hung. Bonhoeffer says this, God does not give us everything we want, but he does fulfill his promise. That is, he will always be Lord of everything. He will always preserve his people. He will constantly renew our faith and see to it that we do not have to bear more than we can. And in it all, says Bonhoeffer, he will gladden us with his nearness 
and with his help. August 10th, 1944. So his grace is sufficient in Jesus Christ for you too. It is what it is. When that's true, can also be the time that we finally discover what it is to really believe in a living God.